Thank you for joining me. This is a little segment I call Unauthorized and Explicit Readings. I guess I'm being a bit cynical with that title. You can think of this particular episode or segment series as um, like a book club. I could have titled it, I think it even crossed my mind and I considered it for a few minutes anyways, actually calling this segment The Incorrigible Mr. Zeppo's Podcast Book Club or Book Club Podcast. But there was something about the the kind of goofy nature of unauthorized and explicit. I'll be upfront with you, my friends, my dear listeners. Um, and God forbid, but perhaps even the, the the publishers of these books should someone representing them or from their corporate headquarters be listening, which I highly doubt at this time. Um, I have like four listeners, I think. And thank you. I hope you're enjoying all the weirdness. I know it's coming out a strange time, but I read these books out of a passion for them and a love for them and without any malicious intent uh, for educational purposes and and, and entertainment purposes, one might even say edutainment, and I do not mean to infringe upon anybody's publishing rights. What I I do hope is a sort of balancing act or balancing point of an olive branch out there is that if my fans listening to my podcast projects uh, come across material in this particular segment that it inspires them to go and acquire a copy of this book or these books that I'm going to touch on uh, and read it for themselves in depth and you know and and pay the correct uh, monetary exchange in thank you and gratitude uh, to the authors uh, or whoever you know the publishers that represent those authors <clears throat> That's my legal disclaimer. It, I will respectfully stop this, end this segment if I at some point in the future, God forbid, knock on wood, I'm not trying to invoke it, get a cease and desist order. Uh, I respect that, and I don't want to get sued over it. I think the authors, especially these two authors, um, won't mind, uh, or you know, the authors or the entities that represent them might appreciate a little bit of random, uh, it, you know, boost of interest in in these two particular titles, because they're beautiful books, uh, really worth reading. For those tuning in, I'm not gonna initially, at least not this season, I don't think, not with this material I have planned, read anything that would fall into the fiction genre. These are books that are sold, uh, regardless of some dissenter's opinion, as, you know, nonfiction, in other words, fact, or based on reality. Uh, and can most of them, the theme running through it, can generally be categorized as spiritual in nature. 
a disclaimer that I sprinkle throughout at risk of sounding repetitive, I'm not here to request or invite or demand by any means that you believe what I'm saying or believe in me in any way, shape, or form. I think I get a lot of sort of overthinking the issue, but I want to make it clear that, uh, you know, I'm just encouraging you to take into consideration some things I've come across uh, and sharing with you some intellectual conclusions I've achieved based on some of these materials and life experiences. And thus this segment is specifically and materially about several books that not only did I do I feel fortunate for having discovered and read uh, during my reading life, but that I've gone back to more than once because I feel that they, by design or by accident, contain some deep, powerful, and interesting insights into ourselves as individuals, into our society at large, into our species, perhaps, and for anyone following along, either here or on my social media, I'm trying to stitch together what my metathesis is. Everyone sort of consciously or unconsciously is uh, editing and revising their metathesis on what the bloody hell is going on. What is life? <laughs> and how do we deal with it, right? So it is no coincidence uh, that this segment, the theme is, here's some things that I've come across that are not, you know, me saying this is so, but other scholarly, interesting, smart, um, some might re rebuttal with biased, but who knows. You be the judge when you get around to listening uh, to their words and my thoughts on them. Not because I'm special or because I'm in any way, shape, or form, uh, claiming to be enlightened, but because I spent a lot of personal time thinking about these words um, during many times, different different times in my life, under different contexts, under different you know situations, uh, informing me, and I keep coming back to them and keep feeling very strongly that there's something worth discussing in these books. Um, Some may re relate to that in, in the religious sense that that's sort of how Bible thumpers, you know, get their start. Anybody who's ever been in a church of any denomination, of any flavor, really, you all go at some point, and I say it is from personal experience because I was, I was raised um, within a very casual community of Catholics um, in a couple of different California Catholic archdioceses. The tongue twister. Try saying that five times fast. Um, and eventually, hit an age where I really wanted to question, uh, question the doctrine, the dogma, the institution, its practices, its its flaws, its secrets, etc. Uh, and during that phase, I'm telling you, you know, my backstory, so how I came across these books. During that phase, I was deeply fascinated in a very serious way. A very serious level with all religions, and I say that with respect. Um, 
And thus, I sort of tour-guided myself vis-a-vis -vis what I could access through libraries and bookstores. Uh, we didn't really have the internet the way we have the internet now, back then, when I was, because this all happened between the ages of like 9 and 15, that I really did this. Uh, very, it was a hobby of mine. I was just consuming as much material as I could from all quarters by all kinds of people. I would, and this is, you know, an, one of those omissions um, that I hope people don't judge me too harshly for, I would spend whole afternoons at bookstores and, you know, only buy coffee and, and snack foods and maybe um, a book I've been eyeballing for years <laughs> that I've always wanted, but read all kinds of different books while I was in the bookstore um, from all the different places, history, uh, religion, self-help, all of that. And the same thing in libraries. Libraries, by the way, boys and girls uh, of under a certain age who maybe aren't used to going to libraries, don't really think of them as cool, interesting places. All you hipsters and uh, and jaded um, uh, ex-geners and basically anybody under 40, if you haven't been to a library in a really long time, or bless your heart if you go to a library all the time, um, go to a library. Go to a new library, the one that you've never been to. Uh, by that, that's what I mean by new, not necessarily the one that was just one built. But go to a library that's new to you. Go with a friend, someone that either is into some of the same things you are that you want to learn more about, uh, or different things so you can cross-pollinate. Go to a library, spend a Sunday afternoon, because libraries are one of the few places open on a Sunday, um, or whatever. So next time, if you're in your mid 20s to you know to late 30s and you have never been to a library the next time you've got a day off and you don't know what to do and you don't really want to do anything expensive go to a library in your city or town that you've never been to go to the biggest one you can find go to the smallest one you can find make it a hobby trust me it's a wonderful thing go and i know i know it's dragged to forget the books go and get a library book tracking app i bet they have them i haven't looked Let's ask. Um, I don't have Siri. I have uh, some kind of Google-based phone thingamabob. Library book tracking app. Obviously, there's an ad for Audible books. Go get these books that we're going to talk about on Audible if they have it. And listen to someone else read it. God bless it. They might even have the authors in their own voice reading these books, which would be super cool. Um, but here's a, a, there's a bunch of things. Book catalog, my library, Nook, obviously, OneDrive, my library, book tracker, my books, library, book scouter to read. There's probably some kind of cool thing. You know, also, any calendar with uh, tasks and or deadline-y type things that you can book time and reminders and alarms works as a book tracker. Uh, for those of you who are worried about all the late book fees, just get motivated. Ride your bike there. Get your friend to pick you up. Uh, take uh, take what, if you if it makes sense and it's feasible, take, be weird, even if you have a car, take your local transportation and be different. Be as green about it as possible. If you're really close, walk to a library. I doubt anyone in New York 
or uh, you know any comparable city anywhere else is listening to my podcast at this time. But maybe at some point in the future, uh, which is sort of my hope, I I imagine myself some sort of um, podcast weirdo that doesn't get famous until long after uh, way too many hours of recording have, have been posted on the internet. At any rate, libraries, 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 sorry for my poor diction there. I'm a theater nerd. I'm a theater practitioner, an actor by training, never by trade, never really got paid to act. Um, but, uh, you know, theater guy, I went to theater school. I usually have pretty okay diction, and I laugh at myself. That's one of those words that not only is it sometimes a bit of a tongue trip or upper, but it's also culturally, because English is a common use language, sort of drifting away from its actual original pronunciation. But I digress. No one is paying me to read these books to, at you. I'm not authorized by the publishers or the I'm doing it anyways with a humble attitude of, you know, what's that old saying? It's better to apologize later than ask for permission in front. Because as any art form goes, if you ask for permission too innocently up front, people are just going to say no to you. And they're not going to know, because they're not going to know, and they're not going to want to know what your artistic vision is. And hopefully, since this is a, still, we haven't, you know, upturned this system yet, it's still a free markety, like, if it makes you money, whatever, kind of uh, economy. My hope is that you, dear listeners, now or in the future, will get inspired to go buy some version of this book, or these books, and make my radical sort of unauthorized reading of them at you in small chunks. I'm not going to give away the whole book. And I'm not charging any money for this recording, for this podcast. This podcast is free. Uh, my podcast will always be free. If you like and love what I do and want to support it and want to help me make, um, you know, build some capital so I can invest and reinvest and, you know, reach a broader audience, etc., patreon.com, Mr. Zeppo. There, it's a shameless plug. That's how I try to make my money because uh, every, you know, uh, entertainer slash podcaster slash crazy, hippie, new age, woo-woo nut job's got to make a little bit of side money on the side hustle. And that's what this is, a little side hustle. But I'm doing it with respect, and I'm not, like, I'm not capitalizing directly on the fact that I'm reading these books. I'm not charging anyone for reading these books. I'm, actually, I'm asking people to give donations if they appreciate that I am reading these books. Taking the weird potential sort of, you know, um, intellectual property risk of being asked to stop at most. Maybe I own at this point, if anybody sues me for doing this, I got nothing. So go ahead. I'll just walk into court and say, that was awesome. I was trying to make art, free speech. I, you know, told people to buy the book, etc. I got no money. Thanks for suing me. Go away. <laughs> uh, I stop, I'll stop doing it. But I love these books, and that's absolutely at the core of it, folks. Really, really important. And now, without further ado, I will introduce the first two in the series of many books that I would like to humbly, and hopefully with some eloquence and easy listening reading voice, read at you. Um, the first two come as a pair because they kind of just work together. They did in my personal life, in my real life, when I first came across them. 
uh, and they do to this day. And um, they, there are passages in these books which I return to over the years, over time, uh, in my own way, intuitively, to sort of meditate on. Uh, and that I really just think they deserve to be out there in the common consciousness. Um, and some of these I have long planned and have yet to execute to make memes out of, but I'm, I'm doing this podcast as a way to sort of start that. So you'll be seeing some memes based out of all of these books that I read for this particular series floating around at some point in the future. If you like them, I hope you share them. So the books are, or the authors are, uh, Karen Armstrong and Alan Watts. And the titles of the books are Alan Watts' The Way of Zen and Karen Armstrong's The History of God. Now, for my first sort of intellectual commentary sidebar, I don't advocate for any religion. I respect all people of faith, of all faiths. That's what America is supposed to stand for. I humbly suggest to you, my dear fellow Americans and or Trumptovians, um, we're, we're all of us a little bit of both. More on that in Good Morning Trumptopia and or earlier episodes from, uh, you know, earlier this year of uh, the Almost Daily's End cast where I was sort of not realizing I needed a whole separate title for those ranks. Um, anyways, so I'm not here to say, believe in this. And neither are these authors, in my best understanding. They're here to share with you what they have come to discover in their own deep researching. Some of you guys, if you're fans of uh, from social media, because you're attracted to all things spiritual, slash enlightenment, slash Zen, slash Buddhism, you're probably familiar with Alan Watts. Um, if you're a YouTube enthusiast in general, you might have come across Alan Watts' recordings. He's a, a, a man of fascinating mind uh, and, and consciousness, and has a, has a lot of things to say that have been preserved um, you know, about his era and his time that might resonate with you now. So go check out his stuff. I don't take any responsibility for how it's out there on YouTube. I'm sure that he himself didn't post it to YouTube because it didn't exist at the time that he said it. But it's a good thing. I'm very grateful, and I hope you also experience some gratitude that some of his live conversations at different places and different events, different venues, have been preserved throughout the years and somehow magically found their way onto such a easy, accessible, broad, democratic, not, you know, little d democratic, not big political party d democratic, um, you know, just pluralmatic um, humanist platform like YouTube, where you can kind of see a little bit about everything on. So, you know, go find that rabbit hole whenever you want. Uh, some of you guys may or may not be familiar with The History of God by Karen Armstrong, but I want to let you know now, starting from the place I was speaking of earlier, you know, speaking to earlier, that I, I'm not here to endorse any one particular ideological construct over another. I'm here to... Sh to show you, because everyone's always asking for evidence, proof, and, and sources, right? Like, where did you get this? How did, what's your, how did you come to this conclusion? Links or it didn't happen, that kind of stuff. And people are out there trolling each other, don't really care about what you read or what you saw. But 
the the intent, the, the the sort of karmic intent, the spiritual intent, the honest human, genuine sort of ego-free intent, is to share with you some of the highlights. I've read lots of books. I was a book addict in my youth, back before we had everyone had TV screens the size of your uh, checkbook. And for those of you who remember checkbooks, um, you know, TV screens the size of your of your uh, day runner. For those who remember day runners, you know, but thinner because you know that's iPads and cell phones and whatnot. We used to get nerded out about other things, and obviously, book love culture is not dead yet. And there's lots of book lovers out there, and there's lots of book lovers who just happen to grow up with or quickly transition to. Uh, as early adopters, a lot of the electronic media and huzzah for that. Um, so starting from a secular place of not trying to identify one superior ideological construct about the universe and everyone in it and what or whether or not there is a thing to be called God or labeled God, I present to you humbly out of all the books I've ever read on the subject of God, of religion, of spirituality, and I've read lots. These aren't the only two I've ever read. They weren't even the first two I ever read. Out of all of them, I humbly suggest to you, after much deliberate thought, over 25 years worth of different, you know, sitting around, this is what I sit around and, and speculate about in my mind in a very earnest, you know, mad scientist for good, for the better of humanity. If I have an art or a craft or a um, a thought gift to give to humanity is like I've I'm a slacktivist about like what is going on question what is is there somebody that's gotten a really good grip on it and, and has an answer that we really should all look at in a serious way not because um, of a particular claim of having received un uh, you know, uncorruptible direct personal knowledge from the entity that we commonly refer to as God, but because it's just well presented, well researched, and takes into account the history, the real history, not the dogma that we're being presented um, from the pulpits, uh, of, you know, how the ideas around the phenomena that we call, commonly call God, have been represented throughout time. That's how I see these two books as just like a really earnest collection of some of the best and review of some of the best. Like these two authors decided to curate for us and digest into really like not brainwashing. I think it's very fair questioning of all of their source materials. And I present for all the all the like idea snobs that each of these books have really deep, rich bibliographies. For those of you who don't know what that word is, it's the list at the back of a book about all the other books that the author um, presents as their evidence for their conclusions based on all the research they have done in libraries, uh, in, in, you know, in the temples of knowledge. And these, these guys, these two authors, this lady and this gentleman, um, are serious scholars in that way that you know, we used to believe in. Just like we used to believe in journalists, we're very serious journalists. And I know I don't want to crack that that can of worms open. We can have, well, I mean, it's fair. It's a fair can of worms to crack open. Um, 
There is, of course, a fair debate to be had about all of that. But let's let their work speak for itself. So my intent is to come back to this as often as I can. It may be slow going, folks. This might be like a quarterly segment. If you remember what it was like to think about things in terms of uh, a school calendar, semester, semester, quarter. Um, I went to a quarterly system uh, for most of my academic life. And maybe just by look at the draw of being in California, that was that's the predominant preferred system, although there are schools here that do semesters. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I think it also works, kind of common practice in business. Uh, this might be a segment that I come back and do like two episodes once a quarter. Knock on wood, God forbid, I know it takes longer. It's not that it takes time to prepare. I do this sort of all by the seat of my pants anyways, which is sort of the charming part. It's supposed to make you feel, ooh, ah, like, wow, this guy is quick-witted and interesting. Hmm. I want to hear his whole metathesis about the world. Uh, not because it's my thesis, guys, because I'm trying to be, uh, you know, uh, an ego-free kind of, kind of postmodern person, um, but because I think that the the rich wealth of human history, for anyone that looks at it with an open mind and with as few biases from our youth as possible, just a clear-sighted willingness to try and understand that which has come before us. Um, there are some important things still scattered about in the history of humanity that that in our in our fast-paced distraction oriented sort of ruse driven uh, hyperculture that we have we overlook we overlook and we never get to have time to access them and and you know chew on them and nibble on them and swirl them around in our mouths and decide about whether or not we think these ideas are important. Some of these books, the theme, you'll find the theme of these books is that the author themselves, whatever their credentials may or may not be, open, purposefully chose to sort of do a review or a, a, a survey of a particular area of human knowledge. And I'm not saying these guys are, you know, I'm not an ultimatum maker. I'm not, and I'm not, you know, trying to make too much hyperbole that this is the only way to look at these things. I just kind of agree, and I'll obviously purposefully uh, discuss where I agree and disagree with their commentary on the history that these guys are addressing. Um, for those who don't know, for those who are not familiar with these books, Alan Watts and his book *The Way of Zen* uh, is very specifically chronicling the historical facts as he was able to gather them, and not just from research while he was in school from his university library, but through, I think, over 30 years of his life um, as a practitioner, as a, as, a, as a spiritual seeker, as a person who went out and wanted to, uh, and I'm not sure how he had the means financially. Of course, you know, he did this back in the late mid-40s and early 50s, I believe. Um, this book, for those curious, and I'm curious right at this moment, um, its original copyright is stamped 1957 by Pantheon's book, Incorporated. These are so many. If you're still around, I don't think that they are, but they might be. And I don't mean to sign to them. Uh, I'm just being silly in my commentary. And I'm going for comedy, folks, trying to be mildly humorous about everything. But if they are around, 
and they end up listening to this, don't sue me, man. Um, I am for free trying to get you some more eyeballs on this book because I humbly, honestly, genuinely, intellectually, not in an elitist way, but in a, hey, I'm a pretty smart guy kind of way, think this book is important and that more people should read it. And it benefits me nothing uh, to say that in public. Uh, and you know, hey, there's free speech in this country, right? I think there was. <laughs> See my Good Morning Trump Dopey episodes for a deeper debate about that. But let's assume that in Trump's America, there is still free speech allowed. This is something I want to talk about, just the way some people want to talk to you about the Bible. And um, I, it's not about belief. It's about enjoying the riot of reading this book and talking about the things that this author uh, explores. And he explores the, you know, from, from the context and the history of the religions that Buddha was most likely exposed to as, as the individual that he was, because that was, in theory, a, a real human person, which can be verified in human history, um, independent of what Alan Watts has said about him and what other people have said about him. He's, there's catalogs there in Indian history. It says, you know, this guy, Siddhartha Gautama, something I can't pronounce. Not because I'm a racist, but because it tongue ties me and I haven't practiced it. Um, and then, of course, he goes in great and in, in very efficient detail into how that which Buddha is, you know, sort of, in, you know, attributed, those things that are attributed to Buddha having said, uh, as, you know, what he thought was important, um, his revelation to humanity, and how it traveled um, to different areas around the world uh, throughout its kind of development into what, how we see and understand it today. And he's, he's done this very impartially and very astutely and with deep personal understanding because to the best of my recollection um, from this and other sources of Alan Watts discussing this, uh, he was someone who's been able to go there uh, to those countries that have rich traditions and do the research there amongst their people, amongst in their institutions, in their, uh, in their temples and in their libraries, and ask questions to the people who are in the right position. And do that sort of like beginners, like uh, retreat practices to get, a, to get a really deep personal understanding of what the, because let's remember, all things Zen slash Buddhist, categorically, we've sort of fallen into the habit of calling them a religion, but they are more accurately uh, to, you know, they really should be more accurately understood as being practices. Um, and something that you do as a result, like when you practice knitting, you end up knitting a lot of different knit objects, don't you? Well, when you practice some form of exercise, you end up developing a physical um, attributes of, of yourself, of your body. You know, if you go to the gym and you practice working out, to, you know, to, mark the general term, uh, then you develop your body, right? Well, meditation is a mind, energy, ethereal body practice. Um, and I humbly propose to you that that book is important. Likewise, to come full circle, Karen Armstrong is a really eloquent, uh, very astute woman who's, who spent her time deeply involved, and she explains it in her own words, 
deeply involved in uh, sort of Western world's obsession with religion, uh, and which, by the way, big secret, all the world's religions in at their roots historically have teachings about meditation. And both these books touch on that fun little fact in different ways, in their own way. Uh, so Armstrong was sort of to give her props for her her uh, Judeo-Christian Islamic uh, credentials, she was, in fact, a, a, a nun uh, for many years in her life. And then her passion for history and the history of the understanding and the conveying of the different cultural uh, um, recordings of God's wisdom from a Judeo-Christian Islamic perspective as a Western those are the three things that we consider the Western world, right? Uh, although, I guess, in today's slanted uh, worldview perspective here in Trumptopia, this Islam is not supposed to be part of that list. And I think that this book, especially now, particularly um, now, in these turbulent times, in these times of conflict, where I've said before, and I'll say it again, all three of the worlds, and it's quite funny, isn't it, that I'm talking about these kinds of two books. Um, these are a serious look at the real truths about the world's biggest um, you know, belief systems. And in our current times, the world's biggest belief systems are all getting violent and ordinary and are pitted against each other. And... I humbly propose to you, and I have like posted it before, and say it again, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it again. The world's major religions have been hijacked by large entities that can only be described as, you know, corporate war profiteers. We can debate the labels, call it the Illuminati, call it the the New World Order, whatever you want, but and I say this not to be radical, not to be offensive, and certainly not to, um, uh, not just to, not just for shock, but rather because I think it's important, whether you're, you're an atheist or a secular Buddhist or, uh, 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 you know, a devout believer in Jesus or Muhammad, whoever, whomever, whatever team you're on, it's important to know and to see clearly that the organization behind those cultural institutions that we were raised in are participating in the manufacturing of consent for endless conflict. George Orwell uh, warned us of it. And for those wondering, yes, that book is on that list. Well, it's on the list of things, uh, of, of works of fiction that I'm considering putting on the short list. The short list uh, is, so far, non-fiction. But Orwell, uh, an Orwellian, you know, sort of thesis is too tempting. Um, but I digress. So Karen, I'll just read the cover because she kind of nails it really great. Her own, her own uh, log line is perfect. The 4,000-year quest of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. She gives you the facts. Why do I want to read these two books? 
at the world because it breaks my heart, my fellow human beings. It breaks my heart to see conflict and violence being conducted in the name of insert your favorite religion here. It makes me want to weep myself into non-existence for shame and for the pain of it and for the sadness of it. Um, and I know I'm not alone in that and I see so many who are affected, who are angry, who are upset, and who are offended, who are hurt, who are who just don't want to deal with it, who throw the baby out with the bathwater. There are some great, deep, beautiful truths in the spiritual uh, wisdoms that have been captured throughout human history. And yes, all of them, especially if they got organized and tried to make a big churchy thing out of it, all of them get riddled with sort of organic internal corruption and then get hijacked by the much more organized, uh, efficient, you know, corporate corruption from external players. Evidence for that can be found when you go look into whether or not the Roman Catholic Church owns shares in weapons manufacturers. Right? Yeah. Or whether or not, uh, uh, like in America right now, uh, President Trump is trying to, through executive order, arrange for, without actually changing any laws, get the enforcement and um, compliance parts of government to sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We already sort of don't monitor it very intensely, but sort of ease back off so that it can get radically crazy um, on the, the provision that blocks organized religions from endorsing publicly and even privately within their own functions political candidates and you know making political speech and making political speech especially as dollar contributions to uh, political candidates directly because why well there's big giant mega churches of all kinds of all flavors with all kinds of theo philosophical uh, variations on the themes of the general ideas of Jesus or the general ideas of whatever religion they're trying to there's a bunch of it right and For those who don't care, this might sound silly, but for those who care, there is a way, I think it is important to know, to be reassured by, there is a way to uncover the truth from all the corrupt bullshit that surrounds it. And I think that, you know, as those of you who, who may be nodding their heads with me, as you see clearly that my metathesis does point to overall as a person. My thesis about what's going on in the world points to uh, a harmonic resonance in all the cultures of the world. In other words, I think that we sometimes gain access to some fundamental truths about reality, about the universe, about how divinity lives and breathes here. And we then try to to find ways of interpreting it and experiencing it to, to help each other along, and then those things sort of end up experiencing corruption, etc., at all. 
especially because there's negative downward pressure on purpose and has been for millennia by those who realized a long, long time ago in a history bit, book of Earth that's been lost to most of mankind. Um, and here's the kind of most crazy part of, it's not my theory, it's other people's theories that I, I'm stitching together. Um, at some point, those who enjoy material greed had so much power uh, that they chose to subjugate humanity and dedicate all of society and its constructs, its, its functioning, its, its, you know, all of its institutions for the purpose of continuing to upwardly draw more profiteering, including endless conflict and war. Using the very uh, institutions that grow up around the teachings of those who were so bold as to teach something so fundamental and simple as love. Because as that meme I kept kind of half-assed referencing earlier, um, Jesus wasn't a Christian. He was an enlightened one that that taught love and meditation and transformation. So was Buddha, so was Muhammad, so was Abraham. Uh, but the way in which uh, we've been handed our stories down of the ancient the olden times has been steered away from that through endless waves of editing and manipulation and corruption and, and subtle, subtle changes of interpretation of things on purpose to keep us from grasping and truly practicing that which all of these enlightened beings were, were trying to share with us and encourage us to go look into and do for ourselves. And I think that these books help us to look in the right places to read more from those who were, you know, have looked into this themselves because we, if we are, if nothing, a generational species. And we've got a lot of thoughts and a lot of opinions about this. Thank you for joining me. I know that was a terrible, horrible long tease, wasn't it? We didn't even really crack open the books. But we will. I'm going to record a bunch of these episodes and put them out uh, a bit at a time. But for now... I will leave you hopefully tantalized and curious and eager to get into some intellectual discussion. Stay tuned. I hope you join me soon for what should be several episodes of digging deep into both of these books. Until next time, may peace, love, and grooviness be with you. So yeah, if you like what I'm doing, share it. doing and you've got a little bit of disposable income, you want to help me get 
a better computer, or run a more sophisticated ad campaign on multiple social media platforms to reach a broader audience. You can either inbox me directly or find me on patreon.com forward slash Mr. Thanks for listening.